Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 377, covering Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, with Amanda Smith. Hi, friends. This is this is an exciting week for fans of Amanda, who yeah. we know number in at least two. There's at least two. Yes. <laughs> Having small conventions together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going out for coffee mm-hmm. <laughs> at AmandaCon. Yep. Which is which is exciting for someone, I assume. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do that every single day, so you know the luster's worn off a little. <laughs> you know. I mean, has it worn off entirely though? Well, AmandaCon three thousand seven hundred thirty-eight was not as good as AmandaCon three thousand four hundred seventy-seven. <laughs> I mean, how are you going to top those those uh, those days, those heady days, though? Really, honestly. Also, not uh, for nothing, I'm kind of getting sick of the keynote speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Would have killed them to book someone else. Just Shut once. up, Matt. <laughs> Amanda, you're on for a very specific oh. reason, which we will discuss presently. Yes. But you wanted this episode, and you chose it first, and you got first dibs because yep. you live in the house with the person who keeps the records. I fought off everyone else. Everyone wanted this episode. Sticks and knives. Yeah. This is this. Did, would you say, Matt, that this is the best episode of the this? This is the best episode of the season. Second I, best episode of the there's season. There's one I like a little better because it feels a little more Star Trek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this one might actually be a better episode. Yeah. This is a very good episode, yes. but it is the second best episode of the season. But it's it's the first excellent episode that this show delivered. The mm-hmm. second episode of the pilot was very, very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we got into a rut and we talked about this mm-hmm. last time where two or three episodes in a row is like, oh, is this what the show is? Is mm-hmm. this going to be dark, miserable all the time with the blue tinted and everyone's angry and sad. And the answer to if it's going to be blue tinted the whole time is pretty much yes. Yeah, but all of those things together. Mm-hmm. And no, they did a fun episode. And Matt, when is the last time you remember, like chronologically, going back through Enterprise and Voyager and all that, the last time you remember a legitimately good attempt at a light comedy episode? Like there's serious stuff in this, but this is clearly a funny episode. Somewhere in Voyager, I think. It was somewhere in Voyager. But it didn't happen very often in Voyager. They no. tried it a few times and it no. usually sucked because uh, it was Neelix. What was a uh, Return to Spider Skull Island Voyager episode? That uh, one. Well, that no, that was Venture Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the it's Bride been even of long, Queen it, Nefaria It also wasn't The House of Mummies Part 2. Yes. So. I feel like there was one good, funny Voyager episode. There may have been, but their comic, their idea of comic relief was usually Neelix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's their been, idea of like, comic relief was wondering how a key worked. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's been a very long time for us on the post-atomic horror seeing an episode of Star Trek that tried to do something a little lighter and a little goofier mm-hmm. and succeeded. And it's it's nice. It's so nice. Yeah, it was good. It was real, yeah. real good. Uh, starting with the hilarious title. Mm-hmm. Magic to make the sanest man go mad. Possibly the, the best uh, the best Star Trek title, at least until Into the Forest I Go. <laughs> it's one of the worst ones they've done. We got on this dumb kick that you started, Matt, where we took screenshots from The Simpsons via Frankiac mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. put Star Trek quotes under them. Yep. And you put Marge at the uh, apple orchard mm-hmm. wearing the big apple hat uh. saying, Into the Forest I Go. And I don't know why that was the one. <laughs> That just made me fall out of bed laughing. Very good. She knows what foliage is, Al. 
<laughs> of course, we can't escape Lisa, our walking library. <laughs> anyway, Amanda, why don't you tell us and the folks what happens in Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad? I will do that. So the crew of the USS Disco are having a dance party in which Ash, Lieutenant Ash Tyler, pardon me, interrupts with a killjoy speech about how they're fighting for the dead, so they have to party real hard to fight for the dead guys. But everyone loves it, because everyone on the ship thinks he's the cat's pajamas and are always saying how hot and brave he is. <laughs> Tilly is currently saying how hot and brave he is when he comes over to talk to Starfleet's first mutineer and worst flirt, Michael Burnham. Michael is saved from having to pass Lieutenant Ash Tyler a note asking if he likes her by being called to the bridge. They hurry to the bridge, ever worried that Lorca will body bag shame them, and <laughs> Michael runs directly into groovy Stamets. Dr. Hugh Boyfriend has fitted him up with some stints so that getting giant needles jammed directly into his forearms won't be quite as agonizing. On the bridge, it turns out that the disco has run into a Gormengander, which I kept thinking was Gormengast. Mm -hmm. Different thing. Yeah, different thing. Uh, less staircases. <laughs> a space whale, and Federation law says they have to haul it to the nearest space nature preserve. Not doing so is the only other capital crime <laughs> Michael goes to the whale deck to science the Gormengander, and a mysterious figure with a pointy helmet pops up and shoots up the place. Remember how we laughed after Harry Mudd said that uh, we hadn't seen the last of him like so much Barbados Slim? Well, after a bit of the old action-adventure, it turns out our scoffs were mistaken, because it's Harcourt Fenton Mudd, and he explodes the whole ship, and then wham! Back on the disco dance party. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No! 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 I was promised! I was promised! We had seen the last of Berman! No more fucking time loops so we probably spend the next 20 interminable minutes watching the same scene play out over and over and nobody knows what's going on but we get to watch it over and over and wait wait no okay wait another minute we we don't do that stamets knows what's going on uh and the uh and what's happening and the loops are happening because of you know groovy and the discovery explodes and the loops change immediately, and the discovery explodes, and we cut to a new part of the loop, creating faster and faster vignettes, so we don't have to, we don't have time to get bored, and the discovery explodes. <laughs> Mud kills Lorca about two hundred times, and it turns out he's trying to figure out how the Groovy Drive works and sell it to the Klingons. But Michael and Stamets convince the crew that foul time banditry is a loop, <coughs> and tr trick Mud into taking, into ending the loops calling Stella, his abandoned fiancé, and her scary business dad to take him back to their home planet, where, let's be honest, he'll probably be consider a, a considerable amount of tribble. <laughs> and now for my uh, second thoughts. Delightful. So, thanks to the 2009 film Star Trek, we now have a canonical explanation of how time travel actually works in this franchise. You will recall that the destruction of the USS Kelvin in that film resulted in an entirely different timeline. An entirely different timeline from the one we're watching in Discovery, Matt! <laughs> Prior to this, we'd been led to understand that there was one single timeline that got changed when someone went back to the past, then sprung back into shape when our heroes inevitably traveled back to undo those changes, as seen in The City on the Edge of Forever, First Contact, and many, many other things. The upshot of all this is that each of Harry Mudd's 53 or more trips to the past resulted in entire realities that, owing to the butterfly effect, are widely divergent from one another. 
What follows is an incomplete chronicling of these timelines. I only did five of these and not 24 because, honestly, who has that kind of time? <laughs> Timeline A. The untimely death of Michael Burnham sends her adopted mother, Amanda Grayson, into a grief-fueled rage. Worried about the continued safety of Spock, she mom-guilts him into resigning from Starfleet, which ultimately results in the Earth being destroyed by V'ger and the resulting rubble being further destroyed by the whale probe. <laughs> there is also never peace with the Klingons, but that's basically the timeline we're already dealing with, so it hardly seems worth mentioning here. Timeline C. Mud successfully sells the spore drive to the Klingons. The groovy drive. <laughs> of course. Who then share it with the Romulans and their whole weird ship-sharing pact that happened around this time. The Romulans share it with no one because they're Romulans, but it's then <laughs> stolen from the Romulans by the Ferengi, who then sell it to most of the rest of the galaxy. Supply eventually overtakes demand, with cheap instantaneous travel anywhere in the universe available to the entire Alpha Quadrant, scarcity of resources becomes a thing of the past, the concept of borders is rendered meaningless, and wars pretty much just stop happening from that point on. A galactic utopia emerges, built entirely on the actions of a single revenge-driven asshole in a vest. <laughs> Timeline F. The death of Star Trek's two first openly acknowledged gay characters shakes the fan base of this allegedly progressive franchise to its very core. Mm -hmm. Because that would be a really shitty way to treat your two openly first openly acknowledged gay characters in 51 years. Thank goodness this is not the timeline we're following on Discovery. <laughs> timeline J. Mud kills Lorca with a particularly sharp bone from his Gorn skeleton. <laughs> A record of this survives in Discovery's Black Box, warning the Federation of the hostile Gorn threat and allowing them to prepare for Captain Kirk's legendary meeting on Cestus III by providing him with a good solid club. <laughs> Timeline R. Time travelers across the millennia change places with one another like so many partners at a square dance, so that, so that Edith Keeler is rescued by the Borg Queen. Arn Darvin uses the Orb of Time to cause Voyager's Year of Hell. Kirk and the former crew of a stolen Klingon bird of prey hang out in the 90s with Sarah Silverman and Ed Begley Jr. <laughs> and Nero meets Mark Twain. None of it is nearly as stupid or pointless as the Temporal Cold War. <laughs> How could it be? I, nothing. Impossible. impossible be. Something top Mark Twain and it was that. <laughs> Cold War. <laughs> also, I'm pretty pleased that I was able to think of all those time travel guys without having to look anything mm -hmm. up. I haven't heard of Arn Darvin in a while. Oh, yeah, that's a name either. I will never forget, Arn Darvin. Arn Darvin. <laughs> a real Klingon. So, so this was a good speak. Well, I guess we can't really speak of that yet. <laughs> well, I dare not so speak of it. This was a pretty good episode. It was a great really episode. Really good. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was fun. Well, also, like, my main concern going into this, like, when we were watching it the first time, it was about 10 minutes in, mm -hmm. mud murders Lorca. I'm like, oh, they did not retcon this goofy-ass motherfucker into a murderer. That's, like... Don't grimdark up a character that's mm -hmm. not grimdark. This this series has enough murderers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They don't need any more. And they don't need to turn someone who wasn't a murderer into one on top mm -hmm. of everything else. And they didn't, so. Yeah, and as soon as um, Mud has an opportunity to do all of this without murdering, he's uh -huh. like, yeah, okay. He stops yes. killing people. Yeah. Yeah, I'm only mostly doing this because I get a constant reset button, and this is the quickest way. Yeah, it I'm seems not like saying... uh, no. It seems very clear to me that while he's a piece of shit, he is only a murderous piece of shit when he can fake that, when he can put an end to that murderousness. Right. Exactly. I could see him maybe murdering a guy, but it would be like a last resort thing. Yeah, but like oh, a ship and killing hundreds of people—that's probably a little too much for him. Yeah. No, I could see him doing it in self-defense, but I could not see him like, uh, like premeditating it. Mm -hmm. Like, I can picture the scene very clearly. Someone's found him out while he's trying to do something bad, and he, like, 
bashes them over the head with something. It wasn't a plan. And then afterwards, it kind of haunts him. Mm -hmm. I could see him spiraling into a Walter White thing Mm -hmm. where he never meant to be this deep into Mm -hmm. it. But now it's like this is his life now. Yeah, definitely. But that's not what he sets out to do. No. And even now, as he's coming after Lorca for revenge, Mm -hmm. really... That's part of it, but most of it is Lorca is in charge of this very valuable thing mm-hmm. that could make him very rich. And, and although he's not above selling idea. people into slavery, so <laughs> I, oh let, yeah, let's be clear, he's a total piece of shit. He's just yeah. not a murderer. There's a you know, there's a mm-hmm. line. But I'm sure he could justify that to himself. Well, I didn't kill anyone. No. Uh huh. Exactly. Listen, property selling property makes the universe go around. If this property <laughs> just happens to be people, well, that's their problem. I mean, look, I can't. Like, capitalism is an unstoppable force, apparently. Oh, this mm-hmm. is getting too close to real life oh, here. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> but while we're talking about mud, Matt, this is your good thing. Uh, Yeah, Um, Rain Wilson does the impossible job of making Harry fucking mud an actual threatening villain while still being in, char- in being in the character he was in the 60s show. Like, mm-hmm. if you'd asked me, I would never have thought of him as a legitimate threat. But here he is gleefully murdering Lorca over and over again, and I buy the hell out of it. No, his whole yep. purpose in the original series was to be like, okay, here's the goofy one. Mm-hmm. Here's yeah. the he's a little dangerous, wah, but he's mostly wah. just like, oh, Captain Kirk, look yeah. at these pretty ladies. He, he he wasn't there to like he wasn't a threat to Kirk. He was just an annoyance to Kirk, but he was very mm-hmm. good at annoying Kirk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he was as close to Q as they had. You know, that's like, not true. Yeah. Dramatically, I mean, okay. <laughs> like Trelane was obviously yeah. more like Q, but I mean, yeah. in terms of someone who popped up more than once and was just kind of a mm-hmm. nuisance. But I remember, and may have had a crush on the captain. Mm-hmm. But I remember hearing like Rain Wilson's been cast as Harry Mudd and thinking, oh, well, what? I I went on and on about how it should be Paul F. Tompkins. Of course, but, it should be Paul F. Tompkins. But, but beyond that, it should yeah. be Paul F. Tompkins, though. But you're absolutely right, Matt. This the tightrope of being true to that mm-hmm. goofy ass 60s mm-hmm. guy and they were they really mm-hmm. were this is you can see a clear straight line from this guy to mm-hmm. the guy in the original series but also making him a threat like mm-hmm. that's that's difficult and some of it's in the writing but a lot of it's in the performing yeah and you see it you see that what what did you say he's he's such a, like a, a a dangerous fop yeah he's a, he, <laughs> he's like a he's like he's like if han solo was a dandy it's like lando it's like if yeah. lando was a bad guy mm-hmm. yeah because he's charming, but he's also goofy as hell. I and he's got like not... the weird hand gestures on like 40 rings mm-hmm. and just like, oh. And a big cape. Right? Basically, Lando is <laughs> yep. Star Wars version of Harry Mudd the more I think of it. <laughs> I would not have picked Rain Wilson to be good at this. And I mean, no. I know he's an actor and it's not like he's only Dwight. I've only I... ever seen him as Dwight. Yeah, but I didn't realize he had uh, so much range. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, um, at the uh, the anniversary party... Uh, our friend Bill dressed up. Oh as, yeah, we were all yeah. like wearing our various Star Trek costumes, mm-hmm. and and yeah, yeah, he dressed up in a pretty believable uh, based, Harry Mudd based costume. on what he had yeah. lying around, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty good. Uh, Amanda, what was your good thing? Um, my good thing was how there was absolutely no padding in mm-hmm. this episode. That's mm-hmm. if I had to say the thing that bothers me the most about time loop episodes. And that's why I wanted to talk about this was because it was, I hate time. loop. No, episodes. You were on for cause and effect, yeah. which is the quintessential groundhog day episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I hate that movie. I hate uh-huh. groundhog day. I hate, I generally hate time loop episodes of anything always mm-hmm. because it's a, it feels like a clip show. Cause we're just watching the same thing. 
Yeah, and they even said in Memory Alpha, again. there's a quote from one of the producers yeah. that we wrote this episode to be a bottle show because we were running. We wanted to save some money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how, why they do ship based episodes. Yeah. But it didn't feel like a money saver. Like, mm-hmm. it, I'm sure that it was because not a whole lot happened in it. Yeah, like, there's a bunch of effects, yeah. but there's no new locations or anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like a clip show where we're watching the same, like, yeah. the same 10 minutes play over yeah. and over and over again. There was no padding. And we, we, started cutting immediately to what the new thing that was happening and they trusted the audience to follow the major plot beats and it mm-hmm. was such a relief. Yeah. Yeah. If you remember cause and effect, like the re- one of the reasons I fucking can't stand that episode is like, there's like 10 minutes that you mm-hmm. just watch again. Mm-hmm. Yep. With and everyone sort of looking around going, does this seem familiar? I mm-hmm. think that, yeah, I think they thought they were being clever by showing mm-hmm. it to you again with slight differences. And mm-hmm. you're supposed to catch like the picture, what's different in this one, but mm-hmm. who cares? Yeah. I don't want to play a puzzle. Yeah, I'm not sitting in a dentist's office reading Highlights <laughs> magazine. I'm good, thanks. It's your job to entertain me. That's your job. Yeah. But no, this time, and actually they did a bit of that too, because the second time round, mm-hmm. when they're in the corridor and Stamets takes a little longer mm-hmm. to get to her, you're like, wait, shouldn't he be running into her by the mm-hmm. time she gets mm-hmm. to the turbo? Oh, I see. So yeah. that's different already. <laughs> and Stamets, groovy Stamets, who in the first in the first loop is like, hey, we're all interconnected, man. It takes one time loop for mm-hmm. him to be cranky old regular Stamets yep. again. Yep. His like realization that everything's interconnected and beautiful. I can and see wonderful. through time. Here's a new ability I have yep. from the sword drive. This is cool. Oh, okay, I'm done with this. It yeah, no, I'm about bored now. Fifteen minutes for him to go back to old cranky Stamets. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's a. It would be a pain in the ass, and yep. especially to have to reconvince people mm-hmm. of stuff. One thing this show does really well that we've talked about already is. And actually, Voyager did a bit of this. Mm-hmm. Enterprise didn't, and it couldn't because of its setting. Mm-hmm. This isn't even the writer's fault. It's just, is the genre awareness mm-hmm. is at this point, all these people have lived in, like, Starfleet's been around for 100 years. Mm-hmm. People have probably run into time travel and time loops mm-hmm. before. They've definitely run into spatial anomalies before. Like, when this shit happens now, it's not a whole episode of figuring it out. It's, oh, okay, some Star Trek shit's happening. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah, we didn't spend an hour having uh, Tilly and Michael science the tachyons of uh mud's crystal no what we get is they establish how the story works Mm -hmm. mud can live half an hour and then he has to go back like Mm -hmm. that's what we need for the story to work but who cares about the fucking science the Mm -hmm. solution isn't some like magical bullshit they make up it's character driven no yeah it's 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 not it's great they bamboozle him well and this is my good thing the end of this is perfect like, the first time we watched this, Amanda can tell you, we're sitting there mm-hmm. watching it together, and the whole time, by the mm-hmm. second act break, I'm like, well, the only way you can defeat Harry Mudd, he's only got one weakness. Mm-hmm. They're not <laughs> going to do that. They're, they are absolutely not going to send him off with his horrible wife. Mm-hmm. But they did! Yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a 60s throwback, and it comes off sexist now. I mean, it was sexist even then by TV standards mm-hmm. of then. It was meant to be. And, like... I saw at least one think piece on, I don't know, io9 or, or, you know, one of the big websites talking about how, how tasteless it was. And it was, but it was supposed to, be, like, that's this character. Yeah. He's, he's conned this woman into marrying him and he doesn't love her and he's in over his head because he's an asshole. And it, it, like, it blew up in his face. The, the joke isn't, ha ha, his wife is horrible. Mm-hmm. The joke is, ha ha, he thought he could get over on this woman and she's having none of it. Yeah. So, in that sense, it's not. I mean, it's still a little sexist. And it's it, yeah. like, it's definitely a little sexist. And it's a 
tropey character, but it's also yeah, but, kind of a winky wink nudge nudge mm-hmm. to like an old time comedy bit. And which is what it was in the original yeah. series. And also all the problematic sexism mm-hmm. that Enterprise borrowed, this is one of the more harmless things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, but on the other hand. She should have, like, she basically had a rolling pin and curlers in her hair. Like, <laughs> Yes. Mm-hmm. But also the fact that Michael and Tilly were like, this is the way to defeat Mud. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bridge full of men rolling their eyes and going, women, are we right? Like, that helped. Yeah. It wasn't the rest of the ship saying, oh, I wish I w- I'm glad I'm not him. Whoa. No, yeah, it's specific to Harry. Guys, huh? It's like, hey, here's this person Harry fucked over and now he's got to live with what he did. Mm-hmm. That's that's more what it was. And I, I don't know. I just I love it. It was funny. It was true to mud. It was it, it was it funny. was a good ending to yeah. this goofy ass episode. Also, I like that we didn't spend a ton of time convincing Lorca that this was going on. Yep. They just explained it to Lorca and Lorca was like, oh yeah, okay. So some Star Trek stuff's well, happening. Let's, let's talk about Lorca yeah. in this episode. His <laughs> attitude is so good. I want to, I think this is a good place to to play my quote. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, I'll set this up a little bit. Uh, Lorca finds out that there's the space whale and he's got to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, we get this in, all, in a bunch of the loops because yeah. that's how that's how Mud gets on board. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's this is the rules and so this is how he responds to it. Let's beam this thing into the shuttle bay and drop it off at the nearest sanctuary as soon as we can. Captain, I'd like to run point on this, sir. As science specialist, I'm the most qualified to handle the needs of this creature. I don't give a damn. I just want it done. Yeah, I love I love that this is when I started thinking Maybe Lorca, who isn't mm-hmm. crazy PTSD stressed out by the war, mm-hmm. was kind of a cool dude because it's not like, no, that doesn't help the war. Fuck it. He's like, no, we're supposed to do that. Okay, Don't kids, go play. Go d- yeah, yeah, I do. And Michael's one of them. Burnham, go take care of this. Yeah, you have to do what I say or hey, I'll send you-, you to prison. Yeah. There, go. You like whales or whatever. Yeah. Take your new boyfriend. What? What? No, what? No, he's he's not. Oh, God. I. Everyone knows Burnham. <laughs> also, you had a, a good point about uh, uh, the love story of Michael Burnham. Well, well does the, I mean, I love all of that. I love that this is a character-driven episode that matters. Mm-hmm. Not that, that her love story is not between her and Lieutenant Ash Tyler. Oh, well, her love, her, her arc in yeah. this whole season seems to be a love story between her and giant space animals. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Because she was clearly, like, and I don't mean sexually, I mean romantically. They Mm -hmm. are two different things. But she had hearts coming out of her eyes Mm -hmm. with the tardigrade Mm -hmm. and also with this weird space whale thing. She's so happy. If only I could take this dying whale to the dance. (laughs) (laughs) I also, this is a thing that Matt and I have complained about from day one, Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. how humanoid the whole galaxy Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And this show is finally, like, we get non-humans mm-hmm. mingling with the crew but we also just have weird space monsters whenever it's possible and yeah I love it's great it. and some of the designs are a little meh and I, some of the some of the effects are a little meh going all the way back to the mm-hmm. stop motion yarn people mm-hmm. from that mm-hmm. early original series episode i always look past bad effects yep. because they tried something new mm-hmm. and i will say like the long shots of the whale in the uh the shuttle bay mm-hmm. looked pretty bad but yeah. as soon as we got close up to it it, it looked really good oh yeah super good yeah it made me wonder if like they cg'd the long shots and did a practical thing for up close or i don't know like when but... mud comes out of the whale it yeah. looks it looks rad mm-hmm. yeah it does well they no, they I... would have needed to have built a whale for him to walk out of whereas right mm-hmm. you know but they only need distance. to build the mouth for the for the close-up mm-hmm. so i plus mud riding around mm-hmm. space and like i just mm-hmm. i enjoy that mm-hmm. that's so stupid like in a in a good way 
I really this enjoy is my it. whale ship, Captain Lorca. Yeah. It, I, it's not a ship, Mud. It's a whale. It's but, just a whale. But also, I filled the whale with my ship. It's <laughs> it's it's made of a thing they can't scan through, so they don't see him. Plus, because it's endangered, they are obligated to beam it on board. Like it's a pretty good plan. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that. So okay, <laughs> let's... stupid whale. <laughs> so let's talk about the courtship of of Michael and Lieutenant Ash Tyler. So I hate Lieutenant Ash Tyler. This, he, Matt, would you say this is a controversial opinion for the uh, show? No, I would say that's a not uncommonly held opinion. I don't think we've met anyone who likes that character. Uh, the character kind of sucks. Yeah. The actor is significantly... He's clearly the, wink link, the weak link. He's the yeah. bever of this show. He is a significantly worse actor than everyone else. Yeah. Um, I don't like where anything goes with him. I don't like, I don't like his plot line. I don't mm-hmm. like anything about him. But um, I... 100% by the relationship between him and Michael. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It feels very real. They, yeah, this relationship yeah. feels earned, and mm-hmm. this isn't really a spoiler. Next week, we pick up, and they're dating. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we've, we've built that bridge so that it's not just out of fucking nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in an earlier episode, you could tell that Michael was clearly attracted to him and wanted oh, yeah. to spend more time with him. Some mm-hmm. of that's Tilly, like, hey, look at that hot guy. Why don't mm-hmm. you ask him out? Go mm-hmm. on, do it. Tilly's do right. It. That is a hot guy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay but we like and this is the like i love how it works with the time loop thing mm-hmm. because the thing stamets says look tell me something that only mm-hmm. you know that way i have a secret and we can just cut through the bullshit mm-hmm. and i can say i've spoken to you before i know this thing mm-hmm. and the thing she says is the saddest thing in the world so sad i've never been in love mm-hmm. and it's just like oh jesus christ yeah. but Sarah did a real number on that poor woman yeah. But it makes perfect sense with everything we've seen so oh, far. Yeah. She's probably never even kissed a dude. Probably no. not. And on Vulcan, do you think many of the Vulcan dudes were going to want to make out with a filthy human? Well, we Absolutely talked about this last not. week. I think because Sarek's in like a high-born mm-hmm. family, it's mm-hmm. all arranged marriages and they don't really date. Maybe lower caste Vulcans do. I don't know about that, but... Like I it could never totally come see up. that being true and Sarek just forgetting that he needs to find someone. Or, yeah. or that. <laughs> or that. But I feel or, like... Or there's only, there's only one woman he can arrange a marriage with, with Depring, and uh-huh. it can either be with Michael or it can be with Spock. Uh-huh. So fuck Michael. Uh-huh. And then Spock just throws it aside anyway. Yep. Uh-huh. Just, just like everything else. Again, Spock? Really? God. Everything that I saved for you. You know you're ruining Michael's life. Who? I can't count on you for anything when it comes to molding your life to my specifications. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. No, it, and I, but I feel like dating isn't the thing on Vulcan. Plus, she is a Vulcan the way Worf is a Klingon. Mm-hmm. She's way too into it at, to the point of like, there are definitely Vulcans who know what joy is. Mm-hmm. They might not express it, but they, they experience it. They it just, you doesn't know. help that Sarek's her dad and he's yeah. like yeah. pushing all this. Like he's like, but I feel like she's a, a lot, but I feel like she's turned into a militant Vulcan, mm-hmm. not just a wannabe Vulcan, but a militant, mm-hmm. like to the point where all the subtlety is lost, mm-hmm. which I like a lot. Well, and, and her whole ahead. deal is that she's an experiment and that's not a mm-hmm. part of this experiment that he's particularly interested in. Well, he, he wants to do that part of the experiment. Oh Yeah. She, he definitely would have like arranged a marriage for her eventually, probably. No, no, I mean he wants to the all of the the romance with a human and like oh, yeah, oh. making out with a human. Oh no, that he'll, part he's he'll, got covered. He'll take care of that. Yeah. <laughs> that that's Sarek's experiment. That is. Are you saying mean, he's setting up his next human wife? 
I mean, no. we've seen her. She exists. Uh-huh. So that is the thing. It's mm-hmm. not just like he had he had the, uh, you know, one moment of weakness. This is a pattern for him. Nope. He loves so. human women. But Derek's I got like, human fever. I like how this whole thing, like the biggest complaint I have of all of the like Year of Hell was the worst mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Year of Hell was like two full episodes where none of this ever happened and who gives a fuck. And all of the character growth that happens in this matters. Mm-hmm. All of the stuff that Michael mm-hmm. and Ash, Lieutenant Ash Tyler go mm-hmm. through is is real character yes. growth that we keep. This has have happened, mm-hmm. and they forgot that they kissed, but then off screen, Stamets is like, hey, you guys know you kissed, right? Yeah. yeah. And he told both of them, so yeah. it wasn't like one of them was going to keep it a secret. He's like, you guys guys like each other yeah you want to kiss and you kissed and you're also kiss again you guys right now you secretly love each other but i've seen it play out and it works so just go yep. just yeah. do it just save yourself some time i yeah. guess stamets loves love could be seems well, like he does groovy stamets definitely does i yeah. feel like he didn't care mm-hmm. he works with tilly and i feel like one day he and tilly were down in engineering and she's like i am trying so hard mm-hmm. to hook michael up with lieutenant ash tyler and it's just not working will you help and and he just got groovy. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, I will help Tilly. Everyone should be in love, Tilly. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. In <laughs> fact, I'm gonna go home to Hugh right now. Well, wait, we're still working. Nope, I'm in love. Oh, Bye. God. I'm listen. <laughs> I'm everyone who's found true love can go home early. Oh. oh. <laughs> Michael's we, just standing there. Yeah. <laughs> Kicking the dirt. Yeah. We do see Tilly like she, when they have a party, mm-hmm. she fucking like she gets all dolled up, and uh-huh. she is clearly on the prowl. Mm-hmm. Like yep. she's going home with someone. Well, mm-hmm. how Stamets gets her out of the conversation so he can keep the like keep uh-huh. moving the plot forward is like, hey Tilly, that guy's in a band oh, yeah. and he wants she's, to kiss you. She said uh, at one point she was into one type of yeah. dude, and right now it's guys in bands, and he knows this. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, look, a bassist. Yeah, go over there. Yep. I just I. It's it's a nice aspect of her character because it would be so easy to write her mm-hmm. as an awkward loser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, and there's a sequence that I really like where uh, Stamets is showing uh, Michael how to dance and how to like flirt a little bit because she doesn't have the first idea. Yeah, And sure. it's just a really nice scene between the two of them and it's very personal and it was just, it was like- He's showing her how to dance yeah. Yeah. and- not lead mm-hmm. like let him lead and just stand here and it's pleasant and just some lessons the... no one can ever learn mm-hmm. yeah but then when she approaches uh, lieutenant ash tyler mm-hmm. she like grabs his hand puts it on her hip and mm-hmm. says you lead like <clears throat> she didn't really learn much no <laughs> well i mean look there's only so much you can che- teach in one lesson yeah and and he could spend a while but most of it would get undone by the time loop uh-huh. so, you know no, I would love to is... see the, the series of realities where it's just Stamets running up in the party and going, I have to teach you how to dance better. <laughs> I forgot to show you this part, and he dipped you and you <laughs> fell. Look, you've never been in love. Harry Mudd is taking over the ship, and I have to continue to teach you how to dance. Shut up and follow me. Why well, would you say right. any of that? Star Trek shit. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's do bad things. Amanda, what do you got? Oh, my God. <laughs> Michael's fucking voiceovers. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is it's bad in this one, but this is not the only episode mm-hmm. that has them. They they're in a bunch of them mm-hmm. and they completely undercut um the actors just 
awesome skill. Oh, yeah. Sonequa Martin-Green is great at just giving us a look and we know exactly mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah. I have seen her heartbreak. I have seen her come to realizations. Like, it's all in her face and in her acting. And she's so good. And mm-hmm. then they give us these fucking voiceovers where they, she's they, like... They, they sound like her high school journal, basically. Yeah. Which Which just reminded me of Jughead in... The Riverdale show <laughs> mm-hmm. because everything about that show is melodrama jacked up to ten, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like every every episode is a theme, nostalgia. We always want to recapture our past. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. Webster's Dictionary defines mm-hmm. this concept, and hers are almost that bad. Uh-huh. They're so bad, and they're they're hard to listen to. Mm-hmm. But they're also saying that they don't have any um, confidence in her ability as an actor. Well, and mm-hmm. also, as Matt pointed out, they're recapping a lot of stuff we've mm-hmm. already seen. Yeah, like what's it's... the point in restating? Like we're watching it serialized yeah. on a streaming service. Yeah. That has the other episodes. It's like, I understand that that used to be a thing we needed to do to catch people up, but like, we're talking about a serialized show that you can watch. Why would you not watch it in order? Like, and it's, and it's only available. It's not like you're going to flip past this someday. The only way to get it is to dial up episode seven or whatever this Mm -hmm. is on the CBS all access. Yeah. That great, great service. Uh Look, if we're going to be reviewing all the Star Trek shows that CBS all access is cooking up, we're probably going to have to just come to terms with it. Uh huh. The fact that it doesn't work. No, the fact that maybe it's the only place we're going to be able to get the next stop. five Star Trek shows. Yeah, which which are all about characters you've seen before. Look forward mm-hmm. to the Picard show, the Khan show, the Worf show. No, no, no. Worf doesn't get a show. <laughs> everyone else gets a show. Nobody. Everyone gets a show except for Worf and Chekhov uh-huh. <laughs> and Cisco. But that's because he doesn't want one. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'd watch a Cisco show in a goddamn minute. one waiting for him, Mm -hmm. but Avery Brooks' crazy jazz brain won't let him. (laughs) So, but no, this, uh, I, uh, apart from, like, the the voiceovers, it's very hard to find, like, bad stuff. This was a really good episode. Uh Yeah. Matt, what did you come up with? Uh, Look, man, I like the Bee Gees as much as anybody, but it's weird that, like, the only music we ever get in Star Trek is from the past. Well, it's a song that samples the Bee Gees, but mm-hmm. same, sure, and same I sad. found that out later. Yeah, but it's a pretty good song. It's a very mm-hmm. distinctive yeah. baseline, and you, you're still sick of hearing it, and it makes you think of the '70s. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah, but, which combined with the fact that the ship is called Disco, and that they're apparently having a disco. Yeah, yeah, I desperately tried to work a disco at the disco into my summary, and mm-hmm. it just wasn't coming. No, it's it's not as easy as you'd think. Mm-hmm. The the problem, and we've talked about this before. Sure. The problem is. When you put contemporary music in there, and we talked about this, mm-hmm. I don't love that either. Mm-hmm. But when except you except when it's the Beastie Boys, uh, which you love, uh, uh, that's that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Also, different timeline, so that doesn't matter. <laughs> um, or is it the same timeline? No, Matt, it's not. It's just mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. I genuinely have no opinion on this, which is a weird thing for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if when they try to invent future music. Mm-hmm. That almost always sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, it does. Remember when Picard had a kid that he adopted mm-hmm. that was listening to like Klingon? Oh no, no, it was the episode roll. was suddenly human. I remember because Matt kept calling it suddenly Susan. Right. <laughs> and yeah, it was a kid who might have been abused by yeah. his adoptive alien parents, and he was listening to like alien metal. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so bad. Yeah, yeah. But so that's usually terrible. Yep. But then. The only other alternative is to do what Next Gen did mm-hmm. and just the only music you have is like classical music. Yeah. And no, that's not great either. There's no winning no matter what. So yeah. like this is this is the best this is basically the best they could do. 
and it works for the type of party they're having, and also the fact that apparently there's no one above, there's no one over the age of 30 on Discovery except for the captain and a couple of crew members. Well, and, and Stamets. And Stamets. That's a, that's a thing that I've been remarking on the whole time. I think mm -hmm. it makes them seem way more in over their heads, mm -hmm. and the reactions to Lorca, like, screaming at them is way worse when they oh. look like almost babies oh i don't think it's bad i think it's great like yeah. you you basically what you have is discovery is a ship full of like uh they're grad students. like young young geniuses basically yeah they're i feel like they're grad students i feel like they're mid-20s mm -hmm. working on their phds and this is their practical like stuff in the field yeah and then a war happened yeah it's almost like a university in space. Yep. And it's one of the reasons I think that uh, Stamets is the only one who stands up to Lorca. Like, mm -hmm. part of it's a power dynamic because he's the only one who can... Yeah, he could turn like, the ship off and yeah. then you're fucked. Yeah. But the other reason is uh, he's one of the only grown-ups on the ship. Yeah. Uh, probably because he was a well-established scientist before they brought him over here. This yeah. wasn't... This is not his practicum. No. He was already doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, like, looking around like, all these fucking 20-year-olds don't... Like, they don't know. Yeah. Stamets almost reminds me of how Bones was, like, a doctor before he was a Starfleet guy. Yeah. yeah. Now, there's a lot of Bones in there, which I like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, my bad thing, and this is difficult, because I legit love everything about mm -hmm. this episode. Like, like I said, they were on a losing streak there for a while. The last two or three was like, ugh, is this what mm -hmm. we're doing now? And then it was like, oh, no, they know how to like. And I feel this way about the whole series. I think it's uneven. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to hit a couple more low points, a couple more high points. I think all the elements of a good show are here and it shows here. This mm -hmm. is all the pieces assembled in an order that I like. Mm -hmm. uh, but they have this line where someone says, you're mad. And he goes, no, I'm mud. Bit which, of a groaner. Which it really is just a slightly below average pun and not really worthy of a patent pending post-atomic horror bad thing. <laughs> but I couldn't think of much else to say. I, I, I cannot tell you anything that was more written for the trailer than that was. Yeah. Yeah. I don't love that. Just give him good lines yeah. and then pick out the good lines. It's not mm -hmm. hard. No, he needs something that's like, I'm Harcourt Fenton Mud. Remember from old Star Trek? <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> no. Man. Just... Do you get it? Do you get it? Yeah. Do I'm you... a thing you've heard of. They've. I mean, we talked about this a week or two ago when Saru pulled up his list of captains that mm -hmm. we've all heard of. And uh, actually, this week, when uh, we get an establishing shot over Michael's terrible mm -hmm. voiceover of the war map that uh, Lorca's looking at, every Klingon system was something from an episode mm -hmm. before. Like, mm -hmm. there's uh, Rorapenthe. Kittimer. And Kittimer mm -hmm. and um, uh, Praxis. Mm -hmm. Like, all the, like, guys, build some world. And yeah. the rule in Star Trek is always take a couple of the established things and then throw on a bunch of new things. Just yeah. like when you have a yeah. list, you have two human guys, you know, and one alien guy, you don't. That's mm -hmm. just, that's how it, how you do it. Yeah. You, you need to invent new stuff so that people can write books about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there's, there, and, and that's an overall problem with this show. So that might yeah. be sure. a more proper bad thing, but it was such a minor background detail. Yeah. It's just like we talked about, are they going to bring back Mud every season as like this show's Q or Loxana Troy? And mm -hmm. I hope not because he's somebody else's show's thing. Like he did a great job here, but he's the original series guy. Well, he's, I mean, overusing anything is never a good. A good yeah, but point. if they had their own, mm -hmm. if they created a character like Harry Mud, but it was unique to this show mm -hmm. and kept bringing him back, that would be more OK. Yeah, disruptive because character. Every series has that. Yep. Every series mm -hmm. has your. I mean. Next Gen had at least three of them. Mm -hmm. They had yep. Luxana, they had Q, they had Barkley, and mm -hmm. each one of them showed up once a season to do a wacky thing. Mm -hmm. And DS9 had a ton of them. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. It's, that's, that's fine, 
but and Enterprise had Shran. Like most mm-hmm. of them had that. Voyager kind of by definition couldn't because they kept moving away from things. Yeah. But most of the other shows had that. They tried Q and it never worked. It did not yeah. not great. I mean, his episodes were okay, but yeah. it wasn't the same. I love you, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> that was mostly because John Delancey was friends with uh, Kate Mulgrew. Sure. They had good chemistry. They absolutely yeah. did. But, you know, like, it works to do that. Just make up your own guy. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. I expect we'll probably see Harry Mudd. We have not seen the last of Harcourt uh, Fenton Mudd. Is that yeah, what Yeah, that is what I'm saying. I think we'll probably get him once a season. And it's going to be kind of a bummer that they don't make their own guy. But I do like him, and he is a chaotic no. force, and I like Rain Wilson. I like and, everything yeah. they've done with him to this yeah. point. Yeah. But now it feels like they wrote him at a point where mm-hmm. the the next time you see him is when he crosses paths with Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah. We don't need him again. Like, do a different thing. And do another silly episode. Mm-hmm. But not with him. Yeah, yeah. one That's silly episode a season. Yeah, even if you're doing 15 episodes, mm-hmm. maybe two, mm-hmm. I, you know, or, or just you know, we little... can just have levity in the show. Like... Yeah, that I mean, there is more of that in this show than there mm-hmm. has been in a while. Sure. Like Tilly alone. Uh-huh. Like lightens some pretty dark shit. I don't know, man. These are this is a bunch of pretty fun characters. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're thrown into some bleak shit. But yeah, and mm-hmm. Lork is pretty funny. Yeah, yeah he is. He can yeah. be. Yeah. We got some stuff coming up with him that is yeah. very funny. Mm hmm. Um, that's about all I have. Yeah, what else? Let's see. I wanted to point because I am always wanting to talk about costuming. Mm-hmm. I am on. I don't actually. I'm not on record because I haven't been on the show no. yet this season. But I, I, I fucking hate the uniforms. Mm-hmm. I think that they, uh, the I think that the gold and the copper look too much the same, especially under the blue light to tell which guy is which. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the design of the uniforms is pretty much just generic sci-fi standard it looks like yeah. it looks a bit like the enterprise uniforms it looks a bit like battlestar galactica it looks a bit like mass effect mm-hmm. it looks a bit like just like, like it oh so it, much sci- space sci-fi looks the same and has looked the same for a while and yeah. they're not doing mm-hmm. anything to move that forward sort of a blue a yeah. blue jumpsuit is kind of what space looks right like right you just now, take an I, air force uniform yeah. from now and move it into the future mm-hmm. and i i I look to Star Trek to have, because Star Trek overall has pretty good uniforms. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some missteps and some stuff I like better than others, but overall, good uniforms. These uniforms are, they're not like ugly or anything, but they're, uh, yeah. they're kind of, they're kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like, um, we see Stamets with his, um, his collar sort of zipped down a little bit, and that actually looks quite good with the, the wider collar, and you can mm-hmm. see the shirt underneath it, and he's wearing a little belt. That was pretty good. And the, um, the medical uniforms are so good. Yeah, the they're great. Yeah, I really like the medical uniforms. And we saw another doctor in this one yeah. waiting for uh, Michael in the whale bay, as you called it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it doesn't just look good on uh, Doctor Hugh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It also looks good on like anyone. It looks like. Yeah, no, they're the the, the doctor uniforms are really good. Yep. <laughs> the, the evil businessman outfit. With the cape and the like. Oh yeah, at the end, the uh, Stella's trophy. mother or father. Yeah, yeah, it was quite good. And the uh, Stella's Stella's looked very sort of sixties throwback. That mm-hmm. super did. Yeah, it was, but also uh, like her hair wasn't up and like she was still pretty. Yeah, uh-huh. it wasn't the joke wasn't like oh and look she's ugly too. Am I right, dudes? No, mm-hmm. she no. She looked actually she looked a little too pretty for. Uh, no, that, for I like that. Ray Wilson. Yeah. The whole yeah. time he didn't want to go off with her, and it's mm-hmm. like but. She's pretty and kind of strong. And what's she, wrong with that? Yeah, she, it's because he's an asshole. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, she she loves you, and she seems she seems pretty good. Yeah, 
What's Harry Mudd does not want a strong woman in his life. No, that's I'm, true. He doesn't want anyone that is stronger than him. Yeah. Ever. Yep. Uh, anything else? Uh, I think, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's all the all things, right, yeah. All right, then, uh, Mando, why don't you start with your uh, In the Past of the Future. In the Past of the Future, Lieutenant Ash Tyler can make it down off a table and across a whole room to talk to Michael in, like, half a second. I just... Matt and I both watched this when you pointed it out, and it's just not that unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Oh, they say like two words, and he's over there like the Roadrunner. Meet me. <laughs> it's just not. I mean, his mouth is always open, so it would be like e e. Yep, like that. Because you have to close your mouth to make the M sound, so mm-hmm. yeah, wouldn't be able to do that. Matt, what do you got? Uh, in the past of the future, parties will still be way too loud for me to enjoy. <laughs> yeah. And I went with. In the past of the future, space whales become the preferred mode of travel for your foppish interstellar criminal on the go. <laughs> it made me think of, there's a real deep cut strong bad joke mm-hmm. where someone asks what his ideal job would be mm-hmm. and he said second second assistant space whale scrubber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, when would that ever come up? Oh, on this show, I guess. <laughs> so maybe strong bad's back there with a brush. Mm-hmm. Like, Somebody's got to scrub that whale. Yeah. I mean, they're, there's, they're taking it to a space whale reserve, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably. I suppose it's getting, so. It's getting space krill all over the deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's all covered in space barnacles. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Ugh. All right, so uh, that's all for the spoiler or non-spoilery section of the show. Let's now push forward into the other section. Uh-huh. Spoiler alert. Hey, it was me. Yeah, that's that's you. You're the, yeah. it, for anyone who somehow didn't put that together, <clears throat> is now our computer voice. That's What's because... this, two Amandas? <laughs> Not enough, Amanda. I feel like <laughs> this episode could definitely handle yeah. at least one more. Well, that's going to go over real well at AmandaCon 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Do we actually have a whole lot of spoilery stuff? I mean, I already said that the, their relationship continues. There weren't really any hints about the dumb. I think this is my favorite one mm-hmm. so far because there's zero Klingons if you don't yep. count Lieutenant mm-hmm. Ash Tyler. Yeah, who used not... his uh, his cl- his extra Klingon legs to launch himself across the room? That must be why <laughs> we, it just didn't how. bother us because yeah. we knew, yeah, because you knew. Um, yeah, their um, their whole relationship starts out kind of normal and gets more and more fucked up as it as well, it goes on. It's cute at the beginning mm-hmm. just because she's so naive, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's very innocent because of that. But then but he then... starts leaning more and more on her and. Yeah saying that he can do things that he can't and puts her in danger yep. and like his pride is more important than her safety and mm-hmm. like it becomes really it becomes really screwed up but yep. that none of that's in this one yeah no here it's just kind of sweet and i think we all think she can do better but mm-hmm. it's also kind of a sweet little love story well the thing is i mentioned this before like he's a very easy first boyfriend mm-hmm. for her to have mm-hmm. yeah like he's a nice handsome man like yeah yep and like I don't know. Dating someone in the workplace, like when you break up, is always weird. And mm-hmm. yeah, but know, it's also that. the only option you really have if you're on a starship. I guess like, that's true. It's yeah. hard to date around. Also, everyone's making out in this place. Anyway. Oh yeah, they're, oh yeah, they're, yeah, and that's what it would be on mm-hmm. a warship full mm-hmm. of young people. Like they're they're scared and their blood is racing all the time and they yep. are horny and this is all they have. I also like that he's not creepy at all, which yeah. mm-hmm. like. I know that that shouldn't be like that's the bar. That's the bar. But in in Star Trek, so many of the romances are real creepy. Oh yeah, 
this is not creepy. Like, again, I don't like the character very much. But it's and I also... I don't think he's good enough for Michael, but... It's also misdirection because then he ends... Like, they have to make mm-hmm. him seem okay because mm-hmm. then he's a bad guy. But Ugh. that works, though. Like, yeah. like... But it... it... And the same thing applies to Lorca, who, mm-hmm. like I said, this is the episode where I started to like him because mm-hmm. his eye rolly, it felt so dad to mm-hmm. me. Oh, yeah. It felt so, all right, I know you got to do this for school, but this is super lame. Mm-hmm. Just uh, do your I assignment. I don't want to pull but, over. We're making good time. But okay, I know you have an assignment tomorrow where you have to collect some leaves or whatever, <laughs> so it's for school. I get it, but ugh. One cup of black coffee. Yeah. <laughs> but he, oh. like, he really had that vibe mm-hmm. of, the long suffering dad who gives you what you want but doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I get that's also undermined by the fact that he's just biding his time to do his stupid, dumb mirror universe mm-hmm. bullshit. Yeah. Which is happening soon, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're getting real close now. I yeah. wish that he, uh, and I mean, I know you guys have talked about this, but I wish he wasn't evil. I oh, wish... we'll, we'll keep talking about this. Yeah. This is going to go. No, and this is your first time on the show since he showed up. You can tell yeah. him to talk about this. Yeah. I just, I wanted him to be a guy pushed too far. Yeah. Who saw too much stuff and who should have been taken out of command. There's, there's that angle mm-hmm. or there's sometimes people like that are just waiting for a bad mm-hmm. thing to happen. There mm-hmm. could have been that as well. Like, in a peacekeeping time, mm-hmm. he could have just been kind of aggressive, but fine. But mm-hmm. then when war happened, that part comes out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, oh, shit, this guy is dangerous in this situation. He needs to not be here. The, the character is just so much more interesting when he's just a dude. You yeah. know, he doesn't have a special evil background or anything. Yeah, he's, he's not a, a villain. Mm-hmm. And that's that's playing with the idea of the utopia mm-hmm. and people living up to the utopian ideals. That's one of the things that I like about Michael so much is that like, Oh God, I love the character so much. She, um, she has so much trouble living up to the ideals, both of Starfleet and of Vulcan specifically, Mm -hmm. but she's always striving for that. And Mm -hmm. every time she makes a mistake, she realizes she's done it and then tries even harder to, to, live up to those ideals and i like that so much and Lorca is so like the reveal on Lorca is so lame because it's like oh well he's he acts bad because he's evil yeah not because he's a human he's a human yeah, yeah. no that bugs me too mm-hmm. anything else spoilery no no i don't think so all yeah. right this um, is a very bottle episode, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, things still tie to things, mm-hmm. which I like. And as Amanda says, things have had happened. Yeah, they but, have <laughs> had happened. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's because we're in fucking 2018, mm-hmm. and that's how TV works now, mm-hmm. finally. Yeah. All right. Amanda, you got any plugs or anything? Uh, well, as ever, I do photography. I have a photo a day blog, giantblackalbatross.tumblr.com. Um, so go look at my photos and tell me mm-hmm. how great they are. All right. Our website, as ever, postatomicor.com. Tumblr, postatomicor.tumblr.com. You can write to us, postatomicor at Gmail. We are on Twitter at Algar, at Robot Matt. Uh, review us on iTunes for some inexplicable reason. Hmm. Yep. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. See you, folks. The Postatomic Horror Podcast is a co production of Ron, Algar Watt, and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2018. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.